This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here, broadcasting from home, which I think all broadcasters are probably doing in radio right now. I've got John Beeler uh, on the line as well. How's, uh, how's your home studio today? Uh, it's great. I'm in my kitchen, living room, open concept space. My cat is sleeping behind me and uh, yeah, everything's good. We have a great show for you today. We uh, will be talking with uh, a few folks. Uh, one, uh, a friend of ours uh, who's over in Spain right now. He's a digital nomad who works uh, remotely uh, there. He uh, used to be uh, here in the Lower Mainland. And so we're going to see how he's holding up and uh, what technology he's using to keep connected. We'll also be talking with our good friend Aaron Lawrence out of Calgary, Alberta, giving us some tips on how to set up uh, the right uh, home office to Stay in communication and get some work done. Plus, we're going to be talking about 3D printing. Uh, John is uh, our resident uh, 3D printing expert slash nerd. And uh, we're following these stories right now uh, about people wanting to print medical supplies for hospitals and doctors. Is that the right thing to do right now? Well, we'll get the lowdown on that. Let's talk about some of the news uh, happening in the tech world uh, as we uh, all share a common uh, you know issue right now the pandemic we're all being isolated at home uh, some interesting stuff here uh, John uh, you know a lot of us are using uh, zoom uh, or Google Hangouts or, or Skype to keep connected well there's another one uh, called uh, Werribee uh, and unfortunately uh, I don't know if you saw this story John in Norway uh, some students in an online class uh, had that uh, class crashed by a naked man <laughs> Not surprising. <laughs> I've heard some stories about people getting rerouted to the wrong Zoom meeting. And so it's like Zoom roulette. Yeah, that's uh, kind of a scary thing, especially when uh, kids are involved. Uh, yeah, and absolutely. In this, in this particular instance, uh, uh, they say that the man was able to guess, I guess, the the link. I don't know how you do that, but uh, apparently that's what happened. Yeah, well, I, it, it's a pretty long string for the the link for the Zoom meetings, but not all of them are password protected, which would have prevented that from happening. But adding a password adds complexity to the users, especially people that aren't normally used to worrying about uh, video conferencing from home uh, and, and and having all this technology thrust upon them uh, out of necessity right now. Yeah, Zoom, which I, I think a lot of people are using, uh, they're trying to deal with a problem called Zoom bombing. Uh, this is the act of spamming a Zoom chat with uh, pornography. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. Well, the, the, the sad thing is, is there's a lot of people with a lot of free time right now. Yeah, unfortunately. Also uh, in the news week uh, this week, this was kind of uh, an interesting slash disturbing, I don't know how to feel about it story. Uh, Trudeau says uh, the government isn't using cell phone data to curb the spread of uh of the virus, uh, there was a uh, uh, an article on a uh, an online uh, digital magazine that said that uh, the Toronto mayor uh, was looking at using cell phone data to make sure people were staying uh, put and not uh, congregating in, in large groups, which kind of opens a slippery slope if the government able to access that access that data. Absolutely, and and this is something that uh, I think. Uh, um, South Korea was one of the first co countries to do this, where uh, if you wanted to go out, you would have to basically uh, respond to text messages from the government. And if you were 
if you were where you weren't supposed to be, they would actually send police to get you. Um, uh, and, and they would go and break up gatherings and things like that as well. So um, it's a whole new level of Big Brother. Um, like you, it's a it's one of those things like, I don't want those people doing that, but I also don't want this to sort of stick around after this is all resolved either too. Uh, we saw a lot of that kind of thing happen with 9-11 uh, after, after the events there with Homeland Security and all the changes to, you know, border security basically. And even just air travel in general, um, they're still, well, they were still around until a little while ago. Um, and, uh, it's pretty far reaching and it's, it, I think it might also help illuminate to people how easy it is for someone, the government or a hacker to actually really know a lot about you and where you are. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really torn on this one, John, you know, at, uh, you know, one point I think great technology, uh, that, uh, can help, uh, curb, you know, these types of pandemics, but you, you know, governments, you know, once they get, get something, they're very, uh, uh, unlikely to give it up. You know, we've seen that with the, you know, CCTV cameras, the closed uh, circuit uh, cameras, you know, especially over in, in Europe and China. Uh -huh. uh, they're everywhere now and yep. they're not going away. And so if we allow them to have access to this data, you know, during these times, will they give it up when it's over? Yeah, well, and I think the CCTV camera is an interesting perspective because that's generally in public places. It's not in your house. It's not in your bathroom. You know, uh, it's not wherever your phone is. And and essentially, you know, what's to stop them from wanting to, like, turn on your camera to see that you're actually where you're supposed to be uh, and that you're not uh, GPS spoofing or something like that, too, right? Like, it's, like you said, it's a slippery slope and it's something that we need to sort of keep our uh, politicians and government in check about and, and make sure that they don't overstep. Um, and also, too, uh, to that, um, we're seeing more and more uh, issues with different apps that people are using for these types of things. When you consider that, you know, Zoom has, you know, seen a 67% uh, rise in usage, and it's being used by people that probably shouldn't be using it from a security standpoint, and they're only using it because it's what's available uh, to them. Uh, we, we saw recently that in the UK, um, Boris Johnson was actually running all of his um, parliamentary meetings with Zoom. Um, and, you know, what if they're talking about sensitive stuff that, you know, the Zoom people aren't vetted to actually access or see, uh, those kinds of things. So there's, there's on both sides of the fence, I think there's a lot of issues that are, are cropping up. And, um, and I don't see any end in sight to some of these challenges. Well, I was reading a story uh, on um, iPhone in Canada uh, .ca, uh, saying that uh, Zoom is uh, through their iOS app uh, reportedly sending user data to Facebook. Yeah, even if you're not on Facebook. What? <laughs> How does that happen? I, yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things that you know people build in that may or may not ever get used, and then uh, you know when it's out there, and especially when there's this huge surge in usage, it's hard to take that back. And not everyone's going to be updating their app to you know remove that feature if that's something they've actually done. Um, and it's also um, it just really highlights the things that we talk about all the time on the show about you know giving permissions to things that you don't know. Right now, we're in a bit of a sort of crisis management mode. Uh, we're giving lots of apps access to things we wouldn't normally do um, because we have to for either work continuity or even just to stay in touch with family and friends. Um, but it's something that I think we're all going to want to revisit very quickly once this is all resolved and we actually have some sort of normalcy back in our lives. Let's turn to some good tech news. Uh, 
John, uh, this was a great story. Dyson, uh, we obviously love their vacuums and fans and blow dryers. They are getting into manufacturing ventilators uh, to address uh, the shortage and uh, basically saying that uh, they are going to ramp up and uh, make 10,000 ventilators for the UK government, mm-hmm. which I th- was amazing. Well, it's interesting, too, because James Dyson basically designed it from scratch uh, over a couple of days, I think, basically. Uh, that's kind of what he's famous for, is solving problems uh, in an interesting way or looking at it from a new angle uh, without maybe the previous baggage of knowing a lot about that particular industry. Because uh, let's be honest, Dyson's known for their uh, you know, their household and health and beauty products, not their medical products, uh, at least as far as I'm aware. Um, that might be different. They might actually be in hospitals a lot more than I think, but, um, but yeah, it's interesting. And, and this speaks to what we'll talk about a little bit later on about the 3d printing and sort of the whole maker movement and just trying to solve problems creatively in a short amount of time with potentially limited resources to, to help uh, get us past this, this issue. Let's talk about free stuff uh, happening uh, right now. Uh, a lot of uh, tech companies giving away uh, free services, uh, software during uh, the pandemic. Uh, Apple uh, announced uh, this week, uh, I think just yesterday, that its pro apps are free for 90 days. So these are their high-end uh, video and audio uh, editing software uh, suites, including Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro. Uh, they are also offering free books for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, Disney and Sesame Street books. Uh, so something to keep uh, the kids entertained uh, while uh, everyone's locked away at home, which I thought was nice. Yeah, no, it, it, that's that's one thing that's been really surprising is how generous all these companies are giving their uh, products and services away to, you know, uh, help entertain the various people. Um, and uh, it's it's been great. We have uh, a lot to talk about on today's program. Later on, we'll be talking with a few folks that are... Uh, at home, one uh, a friend of ours, his name's Dwayne Story. He is on lockdown in Valencia, Spain. He's a, a developer from the Lower Mainland that uh, moved over there to work. We'll be chatting with him on what it's like uh, over there and how he's uh, getting by. We'll also be chatting with Erin Lawrence, our good friend out of Calgary, Alberta. She's going to give us some uh, tips on setting up uh, a nice home office working space uh, to make you more productive when you are at home. And... As John uh, alluded, uh, we will be talking about 3D printing and specifically 3D printing medical supplies. Is this the right thing to do? Can hospitals use this from the maker community? Well, John will give us the lowdown on that. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Well, uh, recently, John and I uh, uh, actually were in Spain, which seems to be the uh, hotbed of the coronavirus along with Italy over in Europe uh, right now. I think uh, we got out just in the nick of time before it uh, really uh, exploded. So uh, they are having a a pretty tough uh, time over there. They've uh, really uh, instituted some lockdown measures, uh, making sure people were self-isolating. While we were there, uh, we met one of your friends, uh, John, who came up to visit from Valencia, uh, where we were staying in Barcelona. His name is uh, Dwayne Story. He's a Canadian, uh, a digital nomad, I call him, that uh, has moved from Canada and is working in Spain, and we have him on the line. Dwayne, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. You are in uh, Valencia, Spain uh, right now, and uh, you actually work from Spain. Uh, web web developer, is that correct? Yep, I'm uh, mostly a software developer, web developer. What's it like uh, living and working uh, there right now? Well, I mean, to be honest, most people who are freelancers like myself uh, 
a lot of the client work has dropped off simply because I think nobody wants to be spending money. And a lot of the businesses are sort of based in uh, North America that employ people like me. So they're all basically uh, hunkering down, I think, for what's coming. So, yeah, I think a lot of freelancers here, uh, myself included, uh, a lot of the income's dried up and people are really starting to question what's going to happen next. So, Has your business completely dried up? Uh, not really. I still have a few client projects on the go. Uh, I'm in a fortunate position where um, I do have some of my own projects that I can work on right now. So for me, having the client work uh, disappear isn't too hard to deal with. But I do know some people that are, you know, sort of paycheck to paycheck. So for them, this is uh, quite a bit scarier what's going on. Uh, what, what are the streets like uh, there? Uh, completely locked down? We're allowed to do three things right now in Spain, one of which is to get groceries uh, approximately once a week. Uh, another is to walk a dog if you have one. So as you can imagine, uh, renting a dog has become a hot commodity. <laughs> renting a dog? <laughs> yeah, some people, uh, I don't know if it's uh, in jest, but uh, they're offering to rent their dog for a couple hours at a time. Poor, poor um, dogs, eh? <laughs> I know. Well, some of these dogs do. I, I think they've been walked 12 times a day and they're just exhausted. <laughs> uh, and the last thing we're allowed to do is uh, visit a pharmacy. So most of the time when you look outside, uh, you just see people going to grab groceries with a shopping bag and there's hardly any people on the streets. And especially in the evening, it's a, it's a ghost town. So, How are you finding uh, communicating with uh, your clients? Uh, where are they mostly? Are they in North America or are they all over the world? Yeah, I'd say like 25% are in Europe and the other 75% are North America. So uh, for the most part, I mean, I never, I never entertain a lot of conference calls really with them. It's mostly emails and Slack. So it's not a huge change. How, how are you feeling though? I mean, you're a Canadian, uh, you know, you're from the, uh, the lower mainland uh, area and now you're, uh, you're literally trapped in your place and, uh, you know, in what is, you know, arguably one of the, uh, not best spots to, <laughs> to be right now? Well, to be honest, I don't feel too bad just because of, you know, I'm sort of in the demographic that does pretty good with uh, COVID-19. Uh, and I am fortunate I am in a place that's pretty comfortable. Uh, I feel bad for the Canadians who are trapped in Spain who, you know, don't have a permanent residence. And uh, I follow them all on Facebook, all the expat groups. And, you know, some of them are desperately waiting for the repatriation flights that are supposed to be coming and haven't come because even locally here, I mean, the hotels are starting to shut down. Um, so if you were here on a temporary basis, you're starting to have nowhere to go. So it's quite scary for those people who are, who are here on vacation and then, you know, just couldn't get out in time. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with them, to be honest. So. I feel really fortunate that we got out when we did, we were, uh, I came back at the beginning of March and, um, you know, n things hadn't really exploded quite yet. And uh, everyone keeps saying that you guys were so lucky to get back, you know, basically hassle-free. Um, although Mike's, his wife is still um, stuck over there as well in Ireland right now with family at least. So, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, how have you found, I mean, you've joined some, of, we've had some little wine clubs and parties and stuff like that via zoom and other things like that. How have you find the, the social interactions when you're, you know, one of the things I, I loved about Spain was going out for the tapas and, and all that kind of stuff. And that sort of, uh, socializing that is pretty much nonstop, at least when we were there for sure. Um, but have you found that, you know, technology has, done pretty good to supplement that yeah i think especially for people like me who aren't you know originally from spain you know resorting to zoom it's not ideal uh but it certainly is nice to connect with people on a limited basis 
my heart goes out to the actual people in Spain and Italy because, as you guys know, it's so uh, such a huge part of the culture in Europe is socializing and going to pubs and cafes. And I think especially a lot of the elderly population, you know, they're not into Zoom. They don't know what FaceTime is. And so for them to be stuck at home, it must just be it's like their souls are just being crushed, you know. So, you know, I'm thankful that, you know, this is my sector technology and, you know, talking to friends online, especially with my family in Canada, it's not so foreign to me. But uh, if that were not the case, this would be much, much harder to endure for sure. Talking with Dwayne Story, he's a, a digital nomad uh, from uh, Canada, working over in uh, Valencia, Spain, and just listening to his uh, story, so to speak. Uh, Dwayne, I want to thank you very much, and uh, I'll let you uh, get back to renting a dog. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, been a pleasure. Yeah, stay safe, and uh, thanks for joining us again. Thanks. When we come back from the break, we got a lot more tech to talk here, uh, including uh, chatting with our good friend Erin Lawrence, uh, one of our uh, favorite tech journalists over in Calgary, and seeing how she's uh, holding up and uh, what tech she's using to stay connected back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Well, I, uh, I like to uh, talk to different folks right now about how they're uh, coping uh, working from home, especially when it comes to you know the different types of tech gear that is uh, out there. Well, one of our favorite uh, journalists out of Calgary, her name is Erin Lawrence. She has a, a take on what she is using to... Uh, to keep working and be productive uh, at uh, at her house. Uh, she's uh, all the way from Calgary. How are you doing, Aaron? Thanks for having me, guys. So, Aaron, where do we start? I mean, we all have our laptops. Uh, what have you got going on there? What else should we be thinking of? Well, I, I started with lighting. I recently did a makeover of my home office, you know, before all this kind of blew up. And I started with the lighting. And for me, that's what keeps me on track and on task. So I did a quick, simple switch out of my overhead fixture, which is not super techie. You know, pretty much anyone can do that. But I also added in some smart lighting. Um, I'm a big fan. I think we've talked about this before. I'm a big fan of Philips Hue lighting. It's really easy to use. You can control it with your voice. You can change the colors. And it's a way to give your office a little bit of pizzazz if you don't have the time or the inclination or you can't go out to get paint. You can sort of use the colored light to change the look of your office. You can use warm colored lights like red, orange, yellow to warm up the office. And similarly, cooler colored lights like blue, green, purple to cool things down if you want. And plus, it just gives you uh, the added option of moving light where you might need task light too. Well, that's the nice thing about the, the Philips Hue lights. Uh, you know, they're smart. They're Wi-Fi uh, enabled. Uh, I actually have a, a few of them in uh, my house. And, you know, it does make a big difference, uh, especially like the, the color ones. You can actually change uh, uh, the different uh, hues and, and colors uh, of them. So, you know, in my office space, uh, it's nice that I, I have that ability to actually change uh, the overall, uh, you know, warmth or coolness of uh, the light or even the color if I, I want to. I find that it just keeps you on task. I mean, if you're kind of working in a dark corner that's not purpose built for working from home, uh, it just it doesn't feel like a workspace. But having good bright light, um, especially if you can just tell Google or Alexa to turn the lighting up or down for you, uh, makes things really easy. Let's talk about uh, laptops now or, or computing devices. I think a lot of us who are working from home have brought their laptops uh, from the office. Um, maybe they're even working uh, on a, a tablet with a, a keyboard. Uh, what have you done to set up the, uh, the right workspace uh, for uh, your laptop? 
I went ahead and I mean, I really wanted to add like a big wraparound widescreen monitor, but it wasn't in the budget for me right now. It wasn't in the cards, but I'm an Apple user and I have an iPad as well. So one of the things that Apple's done recently is they've added a feature, I guess, called Sidecar. And what it lets you do is if you're running the new Catalina operating system, it lets you use the iPad as a second screen. So you can either mirror your computer's display or you can use it as a second screen. So that's allowed me to have extra screen real estate. I'm doing a lot of things from home, as I'm sure a lot of people out there are. And it just gives you the ability to keep a couple keep an eye on a couple of different things at once. And Apple actually makes it really easy to get it set up and running for you. I love that sidecar feature. You know, I've got a few different laptops, Windows and Macs, and I do love that feature of uh, Macs, being able to use an iPad uh, if you've got one as a second monitor. You know, especially if you're traveling, uh, it just makes you so more much more productive. My MacBook is so super thin and light. And then obviously iPad, super uh, thin and light uh, as well. And having them both with me, I've basically got like a two monitor setup, uh, no matter where I am, even in a hotel room. But you know, if you are working from home and in a pinch, uh, it's a fantastic way to, uh, to get that extra screen real estate space. Okay, now I got to ask you, Aaron, trackpad or mouse? You know, I've been a diehard trackpad user for a long time, but I find the more I'm spending time at my desk, you know, we start to develop that sore wrist, the carpal tunnel, whatever you want to call it. So I've actually gone and brought in my full mouse and the one I use is called, and I always mispronounce it, Evoluent, Evoluent. It's a vertical mouse. So what it essentially is, is picture your computer mouse, but turned up on its side. So the buttons are kind of on the side, not on the top. And it takes a bit of getting used to, but what it does is it puts your wrist in a more natural position. So if you're doing a lot of computer work at your desk on a laptop, you don't get that wrist hunch and put the tension on your wrist. This holds your wrist in a much more natural position and just makes that mouse work a lot easier, even if you're using a laptop. So I've, I've seen that uh, one before. I, I haven't really used it much myself. I've tried it, but is it comfortable to use uh, You know, if you get used to it? It's extremely comfortable. I've been using one, I would say, for probably about 10 or 15 years. I've, I've replaced it, I think, maybe once ever. Um, it's really durable. It's just that getting used to it because it does feel weird. I'd say for the first day or so, I probably wanted to check it out the window, um, but I stuck with it and I've really noticed a difference for me. That's why I went, uh, even though I'm doing a lot of laptop work at home and will often use my trackpad for quick stuff, I decided, you know, it's starting to hurt my wrist. So the more time I'm going to spend at my desk, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to get the mouse in and I'm going to use a vertical mouse. We've been talking with Aaron Lawrence. She's with TechGadgetsCanada.com, a great website if you want to check out all the latest gadget and uh, tech reviews. I want to thank you for joining us today, Aaron. Thanks, you guys. When we come back from the break, have you got a 3D printer and uh, thought about printing all kinds of medical devices for hospitals because they're in need? Well, wait, before you do anything like that, listen to what John here has to say. We'll talk with him right after the break. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with AJ Vickery and John Beeler. Well, it's been interesting. I've been reading a lot of stories lately uh, during the pandemic here about people with 3D printers printing up a storm, uh, printing up all sorts of uh, different types of uh, uh, medical parts and devices and, and respirator pieces. Are they helpful? I mean, that's the question I'm asking. Like, how good are these pieces that, you know, people are printing from home 3D printers? Well, 
The great thing is uh, one of our co-hosts here, John, is a 3D printing guru. John, what do you make of all of uh, these uh, 3D printing stories of these people you know, trying to print out uh, these medical devices? Uh, well, it's really exciting to see so many people are interested in putting their printers to good use. Uh, you know, normally when we're talking about 3D printing, we're talking about fun things like you know, printing baby Yodas and that kind of stuff, not life-saving medical equipment. Um, and I certainly got tagged on a lot of stories coming out of Italy and Spain where uh, they were 3D printing essential, uh, you know, ventilator valves and other, you know, various face masks and that kind of thing. And it's, um, it's a really complicated issue. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, most hobby 3D printers are in someone's garage you know, they're, they're quite dirty machines. They're not up to medical grade quality for a lot of this type of stuff. And a lot of people are also quick to say, well, this is an emergency. They'll take what they can get. Like, no, you could actually make it worse. Um, because the problem with 3D printing is, uh, at least with the filament-based printers, which is what most people have in their homes, is that they're great uh, carriers of bacteria. Um they all, they all have little layer lines and little grooves and pockets and really great places for bacteria to live and thrive in. And it's been proven that uh, the COVID-19 virus actually really seems to love plastic. So that's not a place that you want to put it on. You also can't properly sterilize a lot of the printed parts uh, because you, if you put it into a, you know, an autoclave, which will heat it up and essentially boil off the bacteria, uh, it'll destroy the, the item. Um, so... What I have seen, though, that has been really encouraging and really interesting is a lot of people looking at alternative things that they can print that can help in that situation. So things like face masks, for example. And I've got a couple, uh, I'm showing on the video podcast right now, a couple different designs that some different companies have come up with. And there's actually a lot of these designs uh, for uh, taking uh, basically a, a headband and allowing you to attach some kind of shield, you know, to protect the healthcare workers from any kind of um, droplets from getting into them um, and some really creative designs. And this is, I think, really kind of the key point of the maker community that it comes behind this type of stuff is they really, they take an idea where there's a problem with something like um, like this situation where something like this took me four, four or five hours to print. And then someone found a, a really simple version to print. This takes about an hour and uh, I'm holding up a really simplified headband. And one of the creative things that they've discovered is that a lot of hospitals have three-hole punches. So this is actually meant, uh, this headband is meant to take a three-hole punched sheet of mylar, which is, you know, essentially like a report cover or, um, you know, just a, just a sheet of plastic. Um, so you just need a three-hole punch and then you can attach it to the headband takes about an hour. These can be printed, you know, fairly quickly in volume by a lot of people. And there's not really any concern for bacteria in this type of situation. Um, so, but the, the, the other key point that I can't stress enough, and I keep getting asked about this online is, you know, I want to help. I'm going to start printing. I'm like, no, you shouldn't. Um, because not all hospitals will take that stuff from you. Um, they all have different levels of uh, a need, uh, and what they need, and also what's compatible with all the other stuff that they're currently using. Um, I've even heard like, you know, people are sewing face masks, which is great. Uh, and they're using up all their scrap fabric, which is awesome. And certainly in an emergency, uh, that works. But in hospitals, some hospitals actually color code their face masks. So people 
in the hospital know, well, that person's got a black mask. They're a very high, important person. Get out of their way. Don't go near them kind of thing. So like, there's lots of different rules and issues that you have to deal with, which is why medical equipment tends to cost so much. Um, and they're not going to you know, jump in and start taking 3D printed stuff unnecessarily. We also have a lot of people that are really wanting to help, and they're actually pestering hospitals. How can I help? That's not how you do it. Don't go to the hospital. Don't go. Uh, don't don't bother anybody unless you actually have a contact that's not busy working. Um, and and the best way to do this is through the maker spaces or the groups that you're probably already part of if you have a 3D printer. Um, there's people in there that are coordinating and gathering uh, sort of a list of people that are available, have equipment, have the right type of filament or other materials on hand. And they're taking those things and talking with the hospitals with a contact person that's not actively on the hospital floor to find out what's actually needed at that particular location. Uh, you know, some of these things aren't even compatible with uh, some of the stuff they have. Um, but, you know, like I said, ingenuity is coming into play. Um, I'm holding up a, a, a snorkeling mask that I have, and someone actually figured out that you could actually redesign what normally would be the snorkel mount and actually have a ventilator mount for it to use this as a makeshift ventilation mask. And it's really clever, um, but they're not always compatible with whatever the hospital has on hand. So it's really important that those people know what's going on and what is actually needed because not everything is needed uh, you know what despite what you see in the media some hospitals have good supplies and it's not all hospitals that need it as well some of even grocery store people can use these face masks that are being 3d printed um, because they're dealing with the public and potentially still getting it and they're not in a surgical environment where it's important that they have a sterile um device. John, you seem to be very passionate about this. I, I feel like I spent all my free time talking to people about this when I'm not working on the show and doing other things while we're working from home uh, because it comes up all the time. People keep tagging me on this stuff because they see something on the news and it sounds great, but it's very localized. And so uh, I just encourage people, if you're interested in this, seek out the right resources and don't, uh, don't start printing unnecessarily uh, because you're going to be wasting your time most likely. Well, you know, I just wanted to um, tag on one thing you said, John, about the um, about how plastics can be a uh, you know an, a, an easy place for the COVID virus to sort of grab onto and transfer from. And uh, it actually reminded me of a story that I recently read. So, some scientists from Canada's McMaster University used a combination of nanoscale surface engineering and chemistry to develop um, a plastic surface. Um, and it's tr it's uh, a treated form of transparent wrap, wrap almost, which could be sort of wrapped around any kind of surface. And it actually repels all kinds of bacteria. And the idea is that it's going to be used to prevent the transfer of um, antibiotic-resistant superbugs. How great would that be to have in hospitals, you know, something like that material? Yeah. And so I, I, I want to reach out. I want, I want to find more about this company and actually see if they've done testing with COVID-19. Because when I first came across them, this was this was prior. This was back in December before we before we knew about this issue. John, so there's a lot of 3D printer uh, people out there in uh, the community. You know, what are you recommend recommending to them? I mean, if the hospitals needed gear and they thought 3D printer uh, people could make this, they would reach out, wouldn't they? 
Well, definitely. And certainly there's a lot of uh, doctors and nurses that are in the community already. They're makers, uh, you know, when they're not at the hospital. Um, I, I know personally a, a couple ER doctors and nurses that I've talked to, and they're working with these maker groups to find exactly what they need um, and, and making sure, because again, these things aren't quick to print and it, there is cost involved for the materials. And uh, so I think the people should just you know, try to find uh, the proper avenue for that as opposed to just, you know, bringing a bunch of printed stuff by the hospital. Because again, you shouldn't be going to the hospital anyways unless you need to be there. We're going to have to take another break. But when we come back, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. And we'll tell you about our contest. You can win something. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with uh, AJ and John. I want to give a quick shout out to uh, one listener who wrote into us. His name is Trevor Dubinsky. He wrote a really uh, nice little note uh, saying that uh, when he was uh, young, he used to watch Saturday morning cartoons and, uh, you know, would always remember all the theme songs from those. Well, now uh, his kids' memories will be that of uh, the theme song from our Get Connected radio program here on CKNW. So uh, thanks, Trevor, for making the kids listen to our program. But, John, uh, you know, speaking of our program, you know, it's interesting times with the coronavirus going on. A lot of us are working from home, and uh, we want to uh, get a little bit of info from our listeners. We're trying to figure out what you guys might want to listen to while we are, you know, sort of changing the format a little bit and working from home and broadcasting from home. Um, is there any kind of things that you want us to talk about? Do you want us to talk more about, you know, virus uh, solutions for isolation? Or do you want us to talk about tech like nothing's going on uh, or somewhere in between? Uh, so if you have anything that you'd like us to talk about specifically that we can address, you know, in a five to 10 minute segment, let us know. Uh, go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com, and you can hit the feedback form, and you can just send us a note. Things are a little different right now, and uh, we want to make sure that we're not, uh, you know, talking about the virus too much, or we're not talking about it enough. You know, just is there something in there that uh, is a sweet spot for our listeners? You know, one thing I'm thinking about is just the fact that there's things that people might take on as hobbies now um, that they do um, just to sort of fill some of that time. And one thing that jumps right to mind is ancestry. Uh, family trees. And that's something really interesting that you can do right now um, with the use of software, things like Ancestry.ca. But if there's any kind of hobby you're into, just let us know and we'll find out, get some good guests on for you. Thanks, John. So again, don't forget to hit the contest page, getconnectedmedia.com, giving away a Google Nest Home mini little smart speaker. Subscribe to the newsletter and you're entered to win. Want you to also check out our sister show every Sunday here on Global News Radio, CKNW 980. It's at 10 a.m. on CKNW. It goes across the Chorus Radio Network. It's the app show. It's got all the latest and greatest apps, and uh, it's going to be a, a great program tomorrow. We're going to be chatting with the folks at Nextdoor, an app that you've got to have, especially in times like this. I want to thank everyone that helps put the show together, John, AJ, Stephen, Christina, Nigel, and Paul. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.